Here we are, Locked On NFL, alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock, and we have a special guest today, Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears, who is with us right now, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Bears and their situation and Mitch Trubisky. Before we get into all of that stuff, I do want to remind everybody, you can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Hit that subscribe button, give us a rating and review, that always helps, and we always love that. And you can find me on Twitter, at BDPeacock, Matt is a must-follow, at WilliamsonNFL, and Lauren is at Cox Sports one Fellas, how are you, Lauren? The Bears, that defense is, even with the loss of Vic Fangio, obviously for real, but I think what everyone wants to know is, what's going on with Trubisky, what's with the shoulder, what's the prognosis there, when's he coming back, if at all? So the Bears aren't ruling anything out for Sunday against the Raiders, but to me that seems a little bit more of this, you know, game you try and play, pretend that Oakland might have to prepare for multiple quarterbacks. But (laughs) in all reality, this is going to be Chase Daniel on Sunday. They'll go into the bye week after that and sort of reevaluate from there. It's my understanding that, you know, because it's his left shoulder and it's not non-throwing shoulder, it's it's a dislocated shoulder and a partial labrum tear. So he doesn't need surgery on it right away to keep playing this season. He is going to need surgery at some point in the offseason to really clean it up. But it sounds like it's the kind of thing he can put a brace on and play through it and obviously have some pain in in there and kind of tough it out. But it's the kind of thing that's not going to sideline him long term. But I think they want to get it to a certain manageable level that he's not too restricted in what he wants to do from the pocket, especially just because – He's already been struggling a bit this season compared to expectations. I don't know that they want to throw him out there with even more limitations than he's already dealing with. Lauren, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Are the Bears a better football (laughs) team with Chase Daniel behind center? Yeah, you really did cut to the chase there. (laughs) I, I think right now, yes. I think Chase Daniel gives them a better chance to win with how this team is structured. Yeah. But Chase Daniel is not a quarterback, for example, that you want to be playing from behind. You know, If your defense can shut down an opponent, opposing offense, you can find the end zone once or twice, get a couple of turnovers to kind of help you hold things down. Chase Daniel is great with a lead. He'll, he's consistent, he's accurate, he'll take care of the ball, and he'll put his playmakers in position to be successful, which is sort of what Matt Nagy's <clears> offense <throat> is scheming him toward. But the question becomes... You know, if the Bears play an offense that can put some points on this Bears defense and maybe you need a quarterback that can fire it downfield a little bit more and make some of those extra plays with his legs and and try and put this team over the top in those type of situations, that's not so much Chase Daniel. And Trubisky has had a lot of inconsistency along the way. We saw him, you know, in Denver a couple weeks ago, step up on fourth and 15 and and make a pass to Allen Robinson to set up a game-winning field goal. He can make those big plays in those big situations even if he's really frustrating for the first three and a half quarters. So it's sort of a you pick your poison with Daniel and Trubisky right now. But I think for now with this defense at this level, they can ride Chase Daniel and win some games. And then maybe when Trubisky's healthy, you put him back out there and try and get a little bit more out of him than you were able to get earlier in the season. When it comes to Mitch Trubisky and that injury, if, if he does come back and he's 100%, uh, maybe even sitting for a little while will help him out. Is it a situation for the Bears where, whether it's Chase Daniel, whether it's Mitch Trubisky, what you've seen so far this year, what we've seen in the past, and maybe that being the difference in the Bears getting very far in the playoffs or just making the playoffs at all, 
Is that enough at quarterback, or do you think the organization, whether it's this season, maybe a trade we've talked about, hey, Andy Dalton maybe could be out there, and I don't know if that would fit even with the cap, or going into the offseason, do they need to make a change at quarterback, in your opinion, to get to that level where they need to be to really you know, bring some rings home to Chicago? Well, I can tell you they aren't going to, and I, I'm willing to kind of give Mitchell Trubisky at least the rest of this season because the quarterback that we saw in, in weeks one through three wasn't as good as the quarterback we saw at the end of last season. I mean, there's clearly sort of a, a step back here, and it sort of, I think, can be in the ebbs and flows of quarterback development. It's not like you get better every single game and take always steps forward. Sometimes you're going forward, sometimes you're going back, and there's going to be some of those bumps along the way. So I'm willing to see where Metro Trubisky can still go by the end of this year. You know, he got better as last year went on and, and really finished at the strongest. So if he can sort of build some of that momentum and confidence back up during this season, you know, he might be able to be a more effective quarterback by the end of the year and into the playoffs. But I, I think at this point, we kind of know mostly what Mitchell Trubisky is, and he, he's not an elite special quarterback. And I think it's it's really a question of whether he can be more Alex Smith or more Blake Bortles. And either way, I'm I'm keeping my eye on other quarterbacks down the line. I, I feel like the Bears are probably going to hold on to him as long as possible and give him every possibility and every opportunity to be successful and perhaps to their detriment hold on to him as long as possible because – you know the, the scouts and the, the coaches and the general managers. They all feel like they want to make they want to prove that they found the right guy and that they have the the, the chops to fix him and, and make the quarterback that they want him to be. But I, I wouldn't expect the move to happen anytime soon. But I think it is something, especially when it comes to the draft, that they should be looking at this off season. Lauren, I want to ask you about two of the skill guys around the quarterback. Is Allen Robinson to me? Is in the conversation of most underrated receiver in the league. You know that. Everyone knows he's good, but I think he's, you know, one of the top 12, 15 in that neighborhood, and he never gets that sort of recognition. And then David Montgomery, the rookie, I think he needs more. You know, I would keep – he needs to be on the field more. He needs to touch the ball more. He needs to be the foundation of the offense, in my opinion. Yeah, Allen Robinson definitely – underrated a, a true number one wide receiver in this league and, and I'm with you he's he's not a top 10 wide receiver he's not you know the Antonio Browns the Devontae Adams the Julio Jones etc but he's in that sort of next tier or yes. so below where he can win pretty much anywhere on the field a great vertical threat can win contested catches underneath can work across the middle not the biggest guy not the fastest guy but big enough fast enough and, and a pretty solid route runner to be able to get open in a lot of situations so he is a, an incredible asset to this offense. And I think David Montgomery can get there to be that same level of asset to this offense, but you're right. They haven't committed to using him as much as they should. They, they've gotten away from the run game a few different times this season. The offensive line hasn't done a very good job of creating opportunities for him. The line in particular has been a huge disappointment compared to expectations going into the season, considering it's the same five guys as last year and they're not playing anywhere near as consistent. But I do think with the rookie running back, Matt Nagy is kind of slowly unveiling him and you know like we haven't seen Montgomery used a ton as a receiver and that was sort of the big reason to upgrade from Jordan Howard is to get a running back who's more diverse there and so I think it's something Matt Nagy wants to be able to roll out slowly and and throw new things at at different defenses as the season goes on so teams won't have enough time to prepare for 
you know, some week down the line, David Montgomery is going to have a big game as a receiver and they're going to use him in new ways that we haven't seen yet this season. So they can sort of pull that out as their bags of tricks and eventually build him up into a much more robust role. Lauren, we've got about a minute left here, and I think we need to have some Camille, uh, some Khalil Mack appreciation, and especially for one of the, not, I mean, not only the player that he is, but a quote that he dropped this week about that there's still 12 games left on the schedule, and Mack's quote was, a dog that poop fast, don't poop for long, man. And uh, right now, quote of the year, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that was, I did a whole segment on that this week on Locked On Bears. It's just... I still don't know exactly what he's saying, and he was he was trying to claim that, like, you know, you can't just be good early in the season. You have to be good for a whole year, but I don't know how that quite equates to dog pooping being the same as being very good. It was a, a phenomenal quote, like you said, for a, a phenomenal football player with a revenge game on Sunday against the Raiders. He's yes. just, he's unstoppable, and I think Oakland is should be pretty well prepared for what he's going to do. It's funny. I was just asked on a different a different show about, hey, let's give the quarter awards away after four games. I, I put I had Mac as defensive MVP. Um, that quote's awesome, but I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, as long as you get it all out, the the, the job is done. <laughs> yeah, and I <laughs> if you want to be the one that goes up to him and says, "Hey, Mac, what are you talking about?" I'll I'll let you <laughs> right. <laughs> after those twelve games are done, we're here at the end of the season. NFC North. That division is fun. The division is tough. Are the Bears the last one standing there? I feel like it's probably going to end up with a few different teams sort of tied in the same win range. You know, the Bears will win, you know, nine or ten games. The Packers will win ten or eleven games. The Vikings will probably win nine or ten games. And I'm I'm guessing we're going to have a couple teams tied for first place in the NFC North. And whether the tiebreakers put the Bears on top, I don't know. But they're going to be right in the mix, probably more like a, a wild card spot. I feel like whoever is the best record in the division will be the champ when it's all said and done. I, <laughs> as long as they poop the most. Yeah, oh, yeah right. Poop the most. Poops the longest, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is Lauren Cox. You can find him on Twitter at Cox Sports One. And of course, listen to his show every day on the Chicago Bears at Locked On Bears. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On NFL. Hey, anytime. I, sorry I had to poop short. <laughs> <laughs> Long day at work, still stuck at the office, open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Folks, it is a new season. The only thing that hasn't changed, MyBookie is the only place to bet on football every weekend. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sportsbook, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs 100 bucks to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. So, folks, I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and absolutely my bookie fits that mold. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game, They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business for you and your fantasy guys out there. You can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. I love that feature, by the way. Up to a $1,000 first deposit bonus. You double your first deposit. Use our promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON. 
when creating your your claim when you're creating your account to claim the bonus. Again, that's locked on two words, locked on. Bet, win, get paid. Got to get to these tweets. Let's start with Go Pats. He wants to hear about the quarter season awards. Most surprising, disappointing team, MVP, offensive defensive player of the years, coach of the year. He says, I'm curious to see where you guys stand. And Matt, you sort of teased it a little bit there with your defensive player of the year, Khalil Mack. Uh, It's hard to argue that one. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those awards where you kind of just pencil Aaron Donald in no matter what. Um, He's been great, but his numbers aren't quite as crazy as they have been. The other name that I I mentioned, because we did this on my Steelers show yesterday, so these are fresh on on my noggin. Shaq Barrett has a million sacks, you know, so yes. is he going to keep it up? Is he going to be the defensive MVP? Probably no, but after four games, his case is pretty strong. I'm going to throw a name out there and a player that's probably not getting quite enough love around the league, and I'm sure he will at some point, and he's played just about as good as anyone in the league at defensive back this year, and that is Packers corner Jair Alexander, who's quickly becoming one of the mm-hmm. best corners in the league. Yeah, I have no argument with that, too. I mean, looks like a home run draft pick. You match him with Savage, who's playing really well. Um, Alexander is definitely in that top 10, you know, cornerback conversation already. Arrow pointing up. Uh, he's a really good one, yeah. League MVP, is it as easy as just throwing uh, Pat Mahomes back in there with his 1,500 yards leading the league and on pace to do as much or better was statistically totals uh, as he was last year and the Kansas City Chiefs at 4-0? I think, I think so. I mean, I do think it, it is that easy. Um, the other name I came up with, though, was Christian McCaffrey. I mean, just oh, yes. doing everything and two different quarterbacks. And, you know, he's probably the – if we had a fantasy draft right now, I bet he's the first overall pick. You know, I mean, he's been a monster. He asked about disappointing teams here. Would you put – McCaffrey's Carolina Panthers on that list? No, I mean a little, but uh, you lose your starting quarterback. How much can you know that has to carry some weight? But that being said, I would have the Steelers on the list, even though that they lost their starting quarterback because they were disappointing with Ben. But I guess Carolina was with Newton too. Um, I had a hard time. You know, it's funny because we did talk about this too. Like, who were the surprise teams this year, good or bad? I had a hard time coming up with a list. I mean, I felt like maybe I'm being a little cocky here, but I kind of saw a lot of these coming. Um, Denver's worse than I thought. They're really bad. I thought they'd be mediocre. Philly's right now is worse than I thought, but I think they'll rebound once they get healthy, and I'm such a Wentz believer. So this category doesn't stand out to me. I think surprise teams, maybe the 49ers. I think some people thought they might be good, but the fact they're 3-0 leading – the only unbeaten right now in the NFC left, although they haven't played anybody, you know, you could argue they haven't played much of a schedule yet, so that's a big part of that. Uh, I think some teams like the Chargers might be a little bit on the disappointing side and staying in that division. The Raiders, I didn't expect much, just the fact that they're 2-2 two and two is not really bad for them. Yeah, that's a good one. I was thinking of the Lions, too. I think you and I oh, there we have go, been yeah. a little, little hard on the Lions, and they're better than we thought. Absolutely. That's a good one. Maybe the Minnesota Vikings a little disappointing. And even mm-hmm. some teams that I didn't expect a lot from, the Broncos, the way they're losing, being 0-4, well, not a good look for them. No, they're terrible, and I expected them to be mediocre. I mean, I thought the defense would be better. Now they lose Chubb. I mean, times are bad in Denver. 
And generally, Coach of the Year kind of goes along with that. The most surprising teams, the teams that are uh, doing big things that you maybe didn't expect. So someone like Matt Patricia, I think, could be on that list. Of course, Andy Reid deserves to be there with Belichick and the, the unbeaten teams, maybe even Kyle Shanahan on that list. Yeah, and it's funny because he never gets it because he's – but has, has Belichick done a better job coaching than than this year? I mean, that, that offense is sort of all over the place. You know, you lose Gronk. They're reinventing themselves, like, on a weekly basis. I mean, I know that's not a fun pick, but some of the stalwarts, you know, Peyton, Reed, um, Pete Carroll, you know, guys that are proven – are showing once again why they've won so many games in this league. With Belichick, it's like pencil him in for that award. Unless somebody do something, does something amazing, then it's his award because he's the best coach in the NFL. <laughs> he's the coach yeah, of the year then, every year. And therefore, he, nobody ever votes for him because it's too boring. Right, yeah. Unfortunately, he's too <laughs> good. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to me. Me with two E's on Twitter. I have always felt Miami doesn't belong in the AFC East. Climate differences are difficult to adjust to. Uh, they're just different in the South there in Florida. NFL should switch them with the Colts or Panthers. Do you agree? A little shake up in the divisions. <laughs> yeah, let's take it a step further too. And the NFC East, Dallas doesn't belong there. No. I mean, if by the, by the exact same logic, I mean, there's such tradition. You know, these teams have played each other so many times that you don't want to screw up the twice a year rivalries, especially in the NFC. Um, but I'm kind of with you. I mean, it would make more sense if the Bucks were, you know, if maybe the Bucks and Miami became a rivalry or something like that. I mean, could you move uh, the Colts to the north to the east, or you know, bump Baltimore into the east and put the Colts in the north, or you know, I mean, ge- ge- geographically, right? Those two southern teams do not belong in the east, and I know. Miami's on the East Coast, but it's really the Northeast is kind of what's, you know, the rest of the division. Right, and I know they did that with the the old NFC West because the West is always the toughest because things were so spread out. Uh, yeah. It used to be New Orleans and Atlanta were in the West with the 49ers <laughs> right. and, the, and the LA Rams, and they changed that, which was smart. And now, you know, because I think the reason they don't change things because they want those natural rivalries to remain in the rivalry, and I think the NFC um, East is especially like that. But then again, you build your own, like the 49ers and the Seahawks. You would have never thought that was going to be a rivalry when the Seahawks were in the AFC West. And then all of a sudden, both teams are good and they had some really tough battles. And now that's the 49ers number one rival. So you'll develop new rivalries. And uh, I I agree that maybe for some travel and and things like that, it would be smart. But at the same time, change is always difficult. And and people like to hate the teams they like to hate, which I think is the most important part of this whole thing. (laughs) Right. And I I only see that happening if they... You know, two more. If there's two new franchises or something like that, and then there's a realignment situation. There's no real reason to do it now. You know, the more bigger picture stuff around the league right now is how many games are going to be in the season, that scheduling, and more so than alignment. More Twitter questions coming up. Here is an interesting scenario, and Barry talks about the performance of the Steelers and uh, going to Baltimore. Or wait, is that game this week with the Steelers in? in- yeah, Ravens the Ravens are Baltimore. here in Pittsburgh. It's in Pittsburgh. Okay, so yeah. if if the home teams hold hold court, so if the 49ers at home on Monday Night Football beat the Browns, and the Steelers at home beat the Ravens on Sunday, 
all those teams will be two and three, and the Steelers will actually have a share of first place. And I believe with the division matchups, it would be the Steelers leading that division, which is kind of nuts. And that's certainly a possibility after this week that the two and three Steelers could be technically in first place. Yeah, I mean, that's it's very viable. I mean, the sky fell here when they went 0-3, but the reality is two of those teams were NFC teams, so in tiebreaker situations, that's not that bad. They're now 1-0 and in their, their division with five games to go, so those will be pivotal. The Browns aren't playing well. The Ravens have crashed back to earth. So, and I saw a stat, I forget who it was, is it Football Outsiders or one of the analytics people said, remaining schedules, only the Bills have an easier schedule than the Steelers from this point on. So, you know, you look at like, you know, the Ravens played the Dolphins in Arizona to start the season. Well, the Steelers still have both those games on their schedule. I mean, there's five or six of the, what I call the garbage teams, you know, those eight or nine really bad teams still on Pittsburgh's schedule. And they're far from a finished product, but if, Tomlin gets the ship right and start to create some kind of identity on offense. They could win the division at nine wins. It's it's mostly going to come down to the divisional play, though. I mean, if the Steelers could go five and one in the AFC North, I think they'll win the division. And right now they're one and zero, oh, and Baltimore comes here, so it's not that crazy. But it's you know they're they're fortunate that somebody's not running away with it. The AFC is pretty bad in general right now, and it's interesting how. The NFL is a week-to-week league and how passionate things are in the NFL and how things change and how much of a small sample three, four games is. And when you look at, so for example, Major League Baseball, they play 160 games and 162 games. And by the end of the season, you know, maybe some teams start out hot. Maybe they start out 16-0 and in the season, but in the end, everyone's kind of packed together and you know the best teams in the league are around 600 the worst teams around 400 that's like having an NFL season where the very worst teams are six and ten and the best teams are ten and six so uh, NFL is a small sample league and things can go nuts and just the you know it's an oblong ball that bounces funny so anything that can happen and I think the Steelers are definitely uh, a good enough team to where they didn't belong being that team that was 0-3 they're not that terrible and then the fact that at two and three, they could potentially be leading the division. It just shows how crazy the NFL is, and, and anything can really happen, and we really don't know. And it's going to take 16 games to really figure this thing out and, and see who these teams are. Yeah, and, and I'm going to state, state this through Steeler colored glasses, as I often do. But, um, you know, it, it's funny because, like, this Ravens game all of a sudden seems so huge because the difference between two and three on a two game winning streak or one and four seems like light years apart, doesn't it? I mean, and it's only one win. I mean, it just seems mm-hmm. like it's such a different, um, you know, texture to the, to the season. And with hockey season starting tonight, if, for example, my Penguins, in opening night, they lose 5 nothing to a great team, the Stanley Cup champs. And then the next two games, the following night and a couple days later, they lose a tight one, 3-2, 3-2 people wouldn't be losing their minds. And right. that's what happened to the Steelers. They got blown out by the Super Bowl champs in their building, and then they lost two tight ones to Seattle and San Francisco. Like, it's three games, and it seemed like, boy, this is one of the worst teams in the league. But we look back, those are three good teams. You lost your, your Hall of Fame quarterback in the middle of one of them. Like, it is such a small sample size. 
And that's why it's so hard for teams to go undefeated, go 16-0, and 0, and why only yeah. two teams ever have gone 0-16, gone even though we've seen some really bad teams around the league. Uh, speaking of bad teams, let's go to Mark's question here, which is an interesting one. How do you prevent another tank job? Minimum salary requirements, lottery, or is tanking just unavoidable? And will we see more tanking? I don't know. I mean, I, I think the jury's out. You know, like, how do you go... there? It, it, it takes a lot to go to the owner and say, okay, we're going to tank. And the owner says, well, show me some examples of how it worked really well in this league. Well, we don't really have any yet, you know? <laughs> right. So, you know, someone's going mean, to, if the Browns go win the Super Bowl this year, you can say, well, there's, there's a great example. Or two years from now, Miami's a powerhouse and they build it all through the draft. Well, great. You know, like, um, so I get it. I do think one big thing that wouldn't be bad is maybe the, t- the 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 five teams picking at the top of the draft. It's a lottery or something like that, you know, because that one quarterback prospect could be the difference. And um, you know, so it's not exactly a proven method. Yeah, I would say you know, and that's what we saw in the NBA. So a lottery is something that could make some sense, and I could see happening. It just happens so rarely in the NFL a true tank job, and it's also not the franchise changer. You know, sometimes with a quarterback it can be, but it's still a very rare occasion that that one player that's number one overall is that much of a franchise changer like it is in the NBA. So I I really don't see tanking being that big of a problem and happening that often unless it starts to work really well, and we'll see. Maybe those Miami Dolphins are the test case that will really change things. Right, and I mentioned the Browns, and um, I just want to throw this thing out there because I heard it today and it kind of just added up funny in my head. Like, the member they traded, they basically got a second round pick to take Brock Osweiler off the Texans' hands, you know, and that was like the definition of tanking. Like, give me your garbage and a draft pick, and we'll just house him for a while, and you can keep him out of the building and get him off your cap. Well, that turned into Nick Chubb. That's not so bad. Yeah, that turned out to be nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very nice yeah. for the Cleveland Browns. Absolutely. Uh, Jared has a question about Andy Dolphin. Uh, Andy Dalton. We talked to Dalton about how maybe he could help the Bears. Not likely to happen or be moved, probably, with the way things are done in Cincinnati. But he just thinks that Dalton maybe is the problem there. Maybe Dalton isn't the guy for anybody, including the Bengals. He wants to know how Andy Dalton's even a starting quarterback. He gets that the line is terrible, but, man, he's just no good. What What is your sense there? Andy Dalton, does he have a career left? Does he start for a different team if he does move on from Cincinnati? Um, could he be the next Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh McCown? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. bounce team to team until somebody gets drafted and hold down the fort for a really short term, really be a backup. I mean, I think that's basically what he is, but maybe a slightly better version of that. You know I mean? He's had a little more success than those guys. And I think he's a little more talented, a little more trustworthy than those guys, but in reality, he's closer to that than, you know, in every week, you know, a, a bonafide starter. Right. He's definitely not the player that you're going to put the team on his back, but he's also so stagnant right now in Cincinnati. He's been there for so long. Another, he's got a new coaching staff now. The roster's not great. The line's not great. He's missing his best receiver. So I think what we're seeing from Dalton, it's unfair to just say, oh, now he's garbage and, and completely terrible. I think he could definitely be, like you mentioned, the rich man's version of, you know, Fitzpatrick or a journeyman type quarterback, but he could have a Nick Foles run in him. I think if he was surrounded with a really good team and that's kind of what I want to see before he gets, you know, too aged out to be that guy, I would love to see him get plugged in somewhere. That's why 
I would be excited to see him be with a team like the Bears and see where he could go with that sort of a, a system around him. Mm-hmm. I mean, because well, I, I kind of look at through the Bears' point of view is, well, we can't get any better. That's the best we can do. It's an upgrade over the guys we're playing with. Um, back to the Bengals real quick. I do think if if you give Zach Taylor that job and he looks what's already in place, you can kind of squint and say, I see some Jared Goff in Dalton. If I do a lot of play action, if I'm in his headset, if I make life really easy for him with good people around him, he can execute the offense. Um, so we're going to go and build an offensive line, you know, and use a first-round pick on Jonah Williams. And maybe things would be different if they weren't so banged up on the line. But I also think at some point, you know, five years from now, we're going to look back and say, shouldn't they have taken the Ohio State quarterback and just kept Haskins in state and started that way? You know, a new staff, perfect time to do it because he was there. Right. No, that's a great point. And actually, you bring up Jared Goff, and maybe we could end with this because you have a minute or two left here. How good is Jared Goff? Because he has kind of plateaued a little bit this year. I thought maybe there's going to be continued development for him. And obviously, like I mentioned, small sample. We'll see where he goes. Last week was not great. And the Bucks went in, scored 50 points on the Rams. He turned the ball over, what, four times? Interceptions, fumbles. And I think it's fair that you mentioned Zach Taylor maybe saw some of that in Dalton being like, okay, yeah, he could be our Goff and we could run this thing. And that makes sense. You know, if you're a new head coach getting a chance to mm-hmm. be a guy and, and looking at that Bengals roster. But my question is, how good is even Goff? Yeah, he worries me. Um, doesn't handle pressure well. That line has not held up and he has spiraled, bec- you know, is a direct correlation to that this year. Uh, throws the football really well. There's obvious talent there. Like, I don't think he's going to hit the Dalton level. Like, if, you know, the, the Sando quarterback tiers. Goff will always be higher than Dalton, but I don't know that he's going to be a championship-type quarterback. I don't trust him on the road. I mean, I forget who I heard was talking about this, but they said, can you imagine Jared Goff in the NFC Championship game going and winning in Philadelphia or Green Bay, you know, with the weather's bad? Like, I just, I have a hard time picturing that. That's an interesting question, and I think we'll have some answers to some of the things we talked about today as this season goes on and uh, these teams poop at various paces for the next 12 weeks. Um, (laughs) It's going to be a fun one. Matt, always great chatting with you. Some good Twitter questions. Thank you to everybody who got involved in this, and apologies if we didn't get to your question. Please hit us again next week. Thursday's show, we've got Mike Sando coming up as usual. For Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here, Locked on NFL.